Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Well, we've come to the last message in this series, Creating a Culture of Expectation. A culture of expectation. And that word culture means that we, as Christians and as we live this Christian life, we have more than just a hope that God will do a one-time, one-off miracle to get us out of some situation that we've gotten ourselves into or some one-time event. But it's a culture meaning that this is our life. The just shall live by faith and we shall live by expectation, our expectation of God. And this has been a wonderful journey for me, expecting God to do mighty things, not just hoping he will, but expecting. And we have every right to expect that God will do mighty things. You know, Job said in chapter 36, verse 5, he said, Behold, God is mighty. He does not despise any. Think about that. He is mighty in strength and understanding. Also in Zephaniah, the Bible says, The Lord our God is mighty. He is with you. So our God is mighty. He is El Shaddai. He is the mighty one. He is the creator of everything. He is all powerful over everything. He's the owner of everything. He's God almighty. And his love is set upon us. And as with anything, God speaks destiny over our lives. God speaks purpose over our lives. God speaks blessing over our lives. And as with anything with the Christian life, because we have an enemy, because you have an enemy, there will be opposition. We know that, don't we? It's like I know a couple of weeks ago, I stood right here in the pulpit and I was talking about how uh, when it comes to health and when it comes to healing, uh, I'm always about the word. And it never bothers me in my heart. Uh, should anything ever come against me or come against my body, I immediately have no problem with expecting uh, healing and expecting restoration. And obviously we see what the devil uh, would do. But you know what? Uh, I am not discouraged at all. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. So before coronavirus even came upon me, I was already healed because the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. So if anything, it's not done uh, anything but make me stronger. <laughs> it's made me more determined to fulfill my purpose in God. And it should you as well, no matter what comes against you, continue to speak the word of God over your life because the word is true. There may be some facts 
You may get a cough. You may get a bill. There may be some facts that come into your life, but there is nothing true except the word of God. And the word of God says that you and I are more than a conqueror. The name of Jesus is greater than coronavirus or greater than debt or greater than dissension or greater than anything that the enemy can throw at us. So I don't know about you, but I feel stronger today than I've ever felt, than I've ever felt about fulfilling my purpose in God, about being on the road uh, to fulfilling that purpose, and about expecting God to do great things in our life. Listen, Mark Twain said this once. He said, 20 years from now, watch this. He said, you'll be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. So throw off the bow lines, he said. Sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade winds in your sail. Explore, dream, and discover. <laughs> Our God wants us to expect. So I'll say today, just like I did two weeks ago, I walk in divine healing by his stripes. I am healed. No weapon formed against me and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We are children of God, of the Most High God, and we have his DNA, and we can expect great things. Though we go through the valley sometimes, we can expect great things because remember, those times that we go through the valley don't do anything but make us stronger. And so are you going to get up and be stronger than you were before with new experiences under your belt, or are you going to stay down? I'm choosing to get up and to go on and to fulfill the purpose with the expectation that God has over my life. Now, our, our scripture in this series has been Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. It says this, David is speaking, and he says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. And I love in this particular uh, scripture, I love the NIV version because it says, David says, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. I just don't wait with a hope. I just don't wait and say, oh, maybe he will if he feels like it today. Maybe he won't. No, he says, I wait expectantly, expectantly. I'm trying to get you to have it in your heart to expect from God, to expect from him. You know, a lot of times in life, you get what you expect. We know the quote from Henry Ford, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You've probably heard that quote many times, but it still rings true. A lot of times in life, you get what you expect. You expect uh, to, to be uh, less than, uh, that's what you're going to be. You expect uh, not to get the, the, the job that you want, then that's what's going to happen. But God wants us to be an expectant people because our expectation comes from him. He's the author of our expectation. So yes, we are expecting great things because our God is the source of our expectation. Today, we lift our eyes and our faith toward God. And really, that's what faith is. It's lifting your eyes toward God with an expectation. Why? Because we're in his will. We God remains faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. And so the question becomes, what are you expecting God to be toward you right now, this very moment? What are you expecting God to be? Maybe you haven't lived up to 
your expectations of yourself. Or maybe you haven't lived up to your end of the bargain. Maybe you haven't been as obedient as you should be. Guess what? Join the club, okay? <laughs> maybe uh, you failed in some way, or maybe you feel like you're less than. The other person, uh, they're, they're a spiritual giant, but I'm just, I, I haven't been that. And you think God is holding back on you until you get yourself right. And I'm here to tell you today that God is faithful in spite of your unfaithfulness. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not an excuse for us to just do whatever we want to do because we know God is faithful, but it is a blessed assurance to know that God never turns his back on us. Now you can understand the scripture, he'll never leave you or forsake you. That, does, that doesn't just apply when you're being a good person. That doesn't just apply when you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. We can expect good things from God because he is, yes, a good, good father. He is a good, good father. You know, this word expect, it means to look forward with the heart of faith. I'm talking about uh, the biblical definition of expect. To look forward with the heart of faith, to see things that God will do and believing God will provide all we need for our God future. That's what expect means. And as we said, with anything with God, God speaks over your life or you speak it. You, you saw it for me a couple of weeks ago. You speak it out. The enemy hears it as well. Guess what? I don't care. But he hears it as well. And he's going to try to bring everything against you that he can to discourage you uh, or to get you to not believe that what you spoke. Right. And so we know that. And so there's enemies of expectation. And I just want to give you a couple of those today. And then I want to give you four ways uh, today that we can continue in our expectation, that we can we can have right expectation and not wrong expectation. So the enemies of expectation, just a couple of them. There are many, but a couple of them, a couple of big ones that I thought I'd bring out today. One are disappointments. Disappointments are a big enemy of our expectation. You know, when you live long enough, you eventually incur disappointments and failure, don't you? Hurts and letdowns. People let you down. We're human, and so we let each other down at times, even when you're trying not to. And no matter how positive you are, and you should be, and no matter how positive your confession is, and it should be, uh, no matter <clears throat> any of those things, how you keep the proper perspective in life, and you should, there will be times when you experience disappointments. It's just a natural part of life. And I'm not speaking a negative confession. I'm just telling you that we are pilgrims in a fallen world, and this world has disappointments, okay? So the question isn't, uh, have I been disappointed or will I be disappointed? The question is, how do you react to disappointments in life? Do you let it quelch? your uh, squelch, uh, your expectations. What's the right word there? Quelch, squelch, both of those. Do you let it crush your expectations or do you take it on and say, yeah, you know what? I'm disappointed. Even if I have to grieve for a moment, but guess what? I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep going because I have a destiny. I have a purpose. Proverbs 13, 12 said this in the Living Bible said, hope deferred, you know the scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when dreams come true at last, there is life and joy. 
And so the writer of Proverbs knew that there will be times when uh, we would be disappointed and our hearts would be broken at times for various reasons. And this is what we experience in life. It's natural in the flesh to allow disappointments to discourage you. That's, that's what our flesh wants to do. But what we have to understand is that discouraged doesn't have to mean defeated. Just because you, you suffer a setback or a, a temporary discouragement doesn't mean that you are defeated. In fact, if you really understood God, you would understand that the victory is already won. You're just walking out the battles of life. And so even if you lose a battle in life, God's already won the victory. But for some reason, we fail to understand that the victory is already won. And every time we lose, should we lose a battle, it, it sets us back so much. When all we have to do is continue to look to the end and understand that God has already won the victory. I understand that disappointments come. And I understand that disappointments often come with hurt. And listen, that's okay. It's okay. You know what? It's not going to do anything but make you stronger. And I know it's easy to say when you're not in the midst of it, but I'm just coming through something right now and uh, right in the middle of it. So I believe I'm qualified to say in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your valley experience, you continue to praise God no matter how you feel in your body or no matter what your mind is telling you. I'll even go as far as say no matter how your mind lies to you sometimes about certain things. You don't let disappointments keep you down. You get back up and you keep going. Psalm 34, 23 and 24, also in the Living Bible, says the steps of a good man are directed by the Lord. Heard that before? Yeah. Well, let me keep going. It says he delights in each step they take. Think about that. He delights in each step they take. If they fall, it isn't fatal. For the Lord holds them with his hand. If they fall, if you fall, it isn't fatal. The Lord holds you in his hand. And so what am I telling you? I'm telling you that disappointments come, but disappointments are not defeat. Disappointments are not fatal. In fact, disappointments are stepping stones to our purpose. It should make your expectations stronger, not weaker. I know that's what it's done for me. So disappointments are number one. Number two, I would say this, experience. <laughs> Experience sometimes can be an enemy of expectation, and it shouldn't be. Or we should build on our experiences. We're told as we go through life that experience is the best teacher. You ever heard that before? I have, and it's, it's a good saying. Uh, while it's true that experience cannot be ignored, come on, and it should be an influential consideration really in every decision that we make. Experience happens for a reason, okay? Uh, but the problem with personal experience is that at its foundation, it's biased. Listen to me now. Listen to me. Uh, understand that sometimes experience is the perception of one person with their own beliefs, with their own attitudes and values, their, their own personal passions and desires. And so the manner in which an individual like you or like me draws on their personal experience in light of all of these other factors is inherently biased sometimes. You have to factor that in, all right? In fact, it can be argued that 
personal experience in, in our decision making is experience bias sometimes, which is essentially uh, really a cognitive flaw. It's a cognitive error in which we take that which we perceive uh, and we believe it as it's going to be true every single time. Whatever we encounter, we take it as fact uh, that that's the way it's going to be every time from now on out. It, it's a natural thing for us to do. I hope I'm getting to you and I hope you understand what I'm saying about experience because it's not that experience isn't a teacher. Experience is a teacher. Or it's not that experience should be discounted. Of course, it shouldn't be discounted. But when it comes to the Christian life, listen to me now, experience must take a back seat to God's word and God's, God's word over your life. Come on. And God's plan and God's purpose. It's got to take a back seat to those things. Listen, if you know who God is, then the argument that because it happened this way in the past means it's going to happen that way in the future is null and void. Come on. That's a shallow argument if you really know who God is. If that's your argument and that's the way you live your life, you don't know God. And I'm not talking about you. Don't take it personal. If the shoe fits. You don't know God if your outlook on life is because it happened that way in the past is going to happen that way again. You don't know who God is. And so we can't let these things hinder our expectations of God in this Christian life because something or someone let you down in the past, including yourself. OK, that has no impact, none on God's faithfulness toward you. So. How do we change? How do we adjust our expectations to be right expectations and not wrong expectations in our life? How do we change our perception of, of, of who God is in our life and what we can do, what we have, who we are? How do we change all of that? How do we not allow our experiences and our disappointments to cause us to accept low expectations as normal? How do we prevent low expectations from becoming our reality? We can do that. Low expectations should not be your reality. What are we doing? We're creating a culture of expectation. Expectation, folks. Well, let me just uh, give you four ways. I'll finish up here with four ways to change your expectations from false expectations, low expectations, to proper, godly, biblical, high expectations. First of all, ungodly expectations to godly expectations. I'm not going to give you some 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 great revelation. Uh, you know, you think what is the secret? You know, sometimes I, I use that a lot. You know, here's the secret to this and here's the secret to that. But truly, there is no secret. It's not a secret. Some of it is stuff you already know. I just need to encourage you to do it every day so that you'll have expectation. First of all, study God's word. Listen, don't just read it. All right. We're stepping it up now. And I understand what you're saying. Wait a minute. You've been encouraging me to read the Bible every day, you know, even if it's just a little bit or even just for a short time. I have been encouraging you to do that. But you know what I'm going to do now? We're going to step up our game because if you want to have godly expectations of a great life, stop looking at other people saying how great their life is. Your life can be the same way. 
I have come, Jesus said, that you, you might have life and that more abundantly. And so we're stepping up our game, yes, in 2021. It's no longer we're just going to read God's word as if it's some fast food. All right. I got you to do that. Now we're taking it to the next level. Study God's word. Let me remind you of Joshua 1.8. You remember Joshua 1.8, meditate on my word and observe to do all that is written therein, uh, you know, that you will make your own way prosperous and you'll have good success. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. Joshua 1.8, it says this, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Look how he puts it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. We don't have to look at other people and say, I wonder how they have a life that way and how God is blessing them. And they seem to be like a duck when things roll off of their back uh, when those type of things happen. No, listen, this is your life. God is a personal God. God loves the church. He loves the world. He loves everything that he made because he called it good. He loves all of his creation. Uh, he, he loves everything. But guess what? He loves you personally. And so he wants you to seek his face while he may be found. Study this book of instruction continually. Only then will you prosper. Guess what? That's a promise that you will prosper and succeed in all you do. So number one, study God's word. Number two, watch this now. Be purpose driven instead of passion driven. Oh my goodness, if you're like me, so much of life is passion driven because, oh, I just, I have a desire to do this thing or a desire for that or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, that's how I gained so much weight over the years, you know, being passion driven and not purpose driven, but be purpose driven. Listen to Psalm 138.8. This is the ESV version. It says this, it says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it in your heart and in your spirit. And there's a lot of words in that little sentence, in that little verse that we could focus on. The Lord, uh, we could focus on purpose. We could focus on me. But I want you to focus on this word, will, promise, will. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. When God says something, you can expect that it's going to come to pass. You can expect that is the truth because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So the Lord, so you, God will fulfill his purpose. And therefore, for that reason, be purpose driven. Don't let anything knock you off of the path to your purpose. And listen, if you don't know what your purpose is and you're wondering, how do I find it out? Go before God. God is faithful. God is faithful to, to, to let you know exactly what your purpose is in life, what your gifts are, and what your calling is in life. Okay. 
And so uh, don't, don't close your mind to what God would tell you and be purpose driven. Once you know your purpose, don't let anything knock you off of that path toward your purpose. Be purpose driven. And so number three, find people, watch this now, who share godly expectation and walk with them. You know, a lot has been made about how we become who we surround ourselves with. Yeah, we're all individuals. We all have our own personalities and idiosyncrasies. But, you know, you will find this in life. You hang around a certain kind of people long enough, you kind of fall into some of those patterns. Maybe it doesn't change you all the way to not being who you are, but some of those patterns and some of those beliefs and some of those values we take on. And so you need to find people who share godly expectation and walk with them. Walk with them. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Listen to what Solomon had to say. He said, two are better than one. In other words, no one is an island. Don't walk alone. Don't think you're out there by yourself. Even if you've messed up or even if this thing has happened to you or you're disappointed or this wouldn't happen to anybody else, only me. Don't think that you're out there by yourself. If something happened to you, it happened to somebody else. I guarantee you there's 8 billion people on the planet right now. And so if something happened to you, I don't care what it is, it's happened to somebody else. Don't think, don't be so uh, proud to think that you're the only one that this befell, that this, this happened to, okay? So uh, Solomon says two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. That's where that comes from. Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes, rather, chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. What is Solomon saying? He's saying together we can do this when you feel like you're out there on your own and, and uh, these things have happened and I don't really have anybody uh, to go to or you're embarrassed to go to someone else and share. That's what we're here for as Christians. Don't be embarrassed. I've been there. You know, I've, I've, I've done things. I've failed at things and now I don't really want to talk about it with anybody because what are they going to think of me? And, you know, I'm supposed to be this person or that person or the pastor or the whatever. And uh, what will someone think about me? Listen, it's what we're here for. We're here for relationship. We're here to lift each other up. And so find people who share godly expectations, godly expectations. They expect more of you than you expect of yourself. Find those people and walk with them. And you do the same for someone else. You make sure you expect more of someone else, even when they fail. You expect more of them than they expect from themselves. And then lastly, find a scripture to speak over your life. That's what you need to find. I have a few scriptures that I always speak over my life. And that's why, I, that's why, listen, I know this is going to sound funny to you. I know it's going to sound funny because I'm here on this screen speaking to you. But I don't fear uh, sickness. I, don't, I do not fear, and I don't fear it now more than anything else. More than anything else, I don't fear it. I don't care what it is. Because I speak 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. 
By his stripes, we were healed. We were healed. By his stripes, I was healed. And so I choose to walk in that. Another scripture that I love to speak over my life is Romans 8.32. If you don't already have one, consider this one. Speak it over your life because it's true. You can't go wrong with the word of God. Uh, and you might think, well, it's not personal to me. Guess what? The Bible's personal. It's personal to you. In Romans 8.37, which says, yet in all these things, there's my word, all, 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 yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love to speak that over my life uh, because I know that things come against us and there are setbacks and there are failures and there are things that the enemy tries to get you to focus on instead of God's plan. But guess what? Yet in all these things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, beloved, I want to tell you this morning that we have every right to have godly expectations in our life. And most of all, we can expect God to be faithful despite our unfaithfulness at times, despite our failures at times, despite our shortcomings at times. God is faithful. God is faithful to the core. It is the core, in fact, of his very nature for God to be faithful. God is faithful to his word. He cannot lie. He will do what he said he's going to do. God is trustworthy, constant, worthy of all of our trust. God has been faithful. He will be faithful. He has proven it a thousand times to Abraham, Noah, Moses, Ruth, Jacob, Esther, uh, Paul, David, Mary. God has been faithful and God has been faithful to you. He's proven it to you. Let me leave you with this scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. And keep his commandment. God keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. And guess what? Those generations are not up yet. You are part of the thousand generations. So God is keeping covenant with you. Listen, as we close this series, please understand that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, no matter what others have done to you, this has to become a culture for you, a culture of expectation, a culture of godly expectation. You want God to turn things around, then you need to turn things around in your mind and your heart about your expectation. You may say, God, I'm just waiting on you to do it. I'm waiting on that miracle to, to I can all this debt will be canceled. I'm waiting on that miracle that my relationship will be just, uh, restored. I'm waiting on that miracle that I'll be delivered from this thing that so easily besets you. You know what God says? God says, I've already done the miracle and I'm waiting on you to be so easily, uh, you know, to get over that thing that so easily besets you. He said, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> I'm waiting on you uh, to do what you need to do so you'll be uh, up out of that pit that you're in. I'm waiting on you that your relationship will be restored. God is saying he's waiting on you. What is he waiting on? He's waiting on you to expect it, to speak it out of your mouth and to expect it. God is telling you today to have a godly expectation. He is faithful 
Now let us change our hearts and change our minds.